One other story I want to encourage you with is Shannon on the way out there. It was um, it's kind of fun because Karkamugi is, is Shannon and Carrie's favorite region. And so we've got kind of their favorite region. And so these people are just loving. They always embrace them. They're very welcoming. And so Shannon and Carrie love it. And so as we're driving out there, then Shannon's telling us, he says, now, I haven't been here since we left for furlough. He said, I tried to get out here a couple of times last week, but couldn't because of the roads, couldn't because of different stuff. And so he said, I haven't been here. So I don't know the status of what's going on. He said, so we'll get there and we'll just kind of start greeting people and talking. And this is the first time they've seen us since we've been back. And so I really don't know what to expect a whole lot. And it was interesting because as we were going out there, him just talking about, he said, I don't know if the Christians will have been faithful. I don't know. I don't know if they will have turned back to witchcraft. I don't know. He said, so when we get there, we'll see. And to really kind of see his heart at that moment where he was like, man, I care for these people. And I love these people. And I don't know if they've been faithful. And that's exactly what we're going to see here in Galatians. If you've got your Bible, turn with me to Galatians chapter 4. We'll be in verses 11, 12, or 11, or 12 through 20. Galatians chapter 4, 12 through 20. And what we're going to see here in Galatians is Paul's heart. We're going to see Paul's heart for some people that he's poured his life out into. And now he started hearing some things. Let me put it like this. I'm going to tell you one more story. And this is a false one. It's not true. But I think it will illustrate the point. What if while Shannon and Carrie were here in America on furlough, they got word that some new missionaries had moved into the area. Partners in the ministry. They've got 600,000 people to reach and now they've got some help. And so, that's exciting. But their excitement quickly turns to terror when they find out that these missionaries are teaching that in order to be a real Christian, you've got to dress like Americans. You've got to wear a nice button-up shirt. That raggedy one that you're wearing, not going to cut it. Not for real Christians. The fact that you don't have any pants, that's not going to work either. To be a real Christian, you've got to have American clothes. And not only do you have to have American clothes, but you, this tree that y'all worship under, it's not going to cut it anymore. To be a real Christian, you actually have to have a building. To really worship with God and for God to be pleased with you, you have to have a building. To be right with God, you've got to worship Him in a building, in this place. And not only that, but, but the fact that y'all do this on Tuesdays, that's not going to work either. Only Sundays. Imagine the horror of Shannon and Carrie being here in America and hearing that this teaching is going on. And not only that it's going on, but that people are actually believing it. That, that the believers over there, the Abinos that we've prayed for, the Simons that we've prayed for, the Apollos that we've prayed for, are actually believing that in order to be made right with God, they've got to do these extra things. 
Imagine the emotion in Shannon and Carrie's heart for these people. That's exactly what's happening here. Look with me in Galatians chapter 12. We'll read our whole text. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of the blessing you felt? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes and ears to hear what your word has to say to us this morning, Lord, and that you would give us um, the ability to do it, Lord, that you would, um, Lord, embed that in our heart to be obedient to what you're saying, Lord, that we wouldn't just be hearers, but that we would be doers of what your word says. God, I pray that your word would speak through me this morning, Lord, and that, uh, that these people would hear it, Lord, and that we would obey it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so what, what I want you to get here from the Word of God this morning is I want you to see what Paul is showing us here is how to love Christians when they don't meet what we expect or hope they would in their spiritual maturity. How do you love someone that doesn't meet the expectations you have in their spiritual life? How do you love someone that that doesn't meet the expectations that you hope for them in their spiritual life. And Paul is going to give us a great example of how to do this. Now, we've been walking through Galatians, if you've been with us, and we've just been walking section by section. And so what we've seen so far in Galatians is Paul basically greeted these people and he said, hey, um, I'm going to get right to the point. You guys are believing a false gospel and it's foolishness and how could you guys be so foolish and who's bewitched you and here's all the arguments, these watertight courtroom arguments of why what you're believing is so false. Now the same thing could happen with Shannon and Carrie's situation of hearing about these people believing this gospel um, and believing these things that have been added to the gospel and they could, they could give all of these arguments for why it's so false that in order to be a real Christian you've got to dress like an American. Well, obviously, Christianity didn't start in America. They could give all of these arguments for why you don't have to have a church building. They could give all of these arguments for why it doesn't have to be on Sunday. So they can give all of these arguments, but and that's what we've seen so far. But at this point in Galatians, Paul drops all the arguments and he gives you his raw emotional heart. And he just says, you guys, giving you all these arguments. And, and he's like, I've been pretty stern with you so far. But, but here's my heart. And so look with me at verse 12. He says, Brothers, I entreat you. 
Become as I am, for I also have become as you are. He gives them their raw heart. And at the first place in the entire book of Galatians, Paul gives a command to the Galatians. This is the first command that Paul gives. And and the command is, become like me. Got it figured out. Become like me. No, that's not Paul's heart here. Paul's heart's not boastful. He's not trying to create a bunch of mini-me's. He's not an egotistical buffoon that's trying to say, hey, if y'all become like me, you'll have it figured out. What he's saying is he says, become like me, free from the law. That's been the theme of the whole book, right? Don't be bound to the law, but be free from the law in the gospel. Believe the gospel that faith in Jesus Christ is what makes you right with God, not your works. And so he says, become like me. You see, in Paul's salvation experience, he went from a law-abiding Jew to a Jesus-freed Gentile. He was no longer bound to the law. Now, he was still a Jew in his heritage, but he was no longer bound to the Jewish law for his, his means of righteousness with God because it doesn't work. It was never meant to work. And so he says, become like me. Why? Because I've become a Gentile like you. I've lived that life under the law. You don't want it. Become like me, free from the law, because I became like you. You were once free from the law. Why are you trying to put this back on you? He says, you did me no harm. He's not taking this as a, as a personal offense. He's not seeing the, the Galatians faltering in their walk with the Lord as a personal offense to him. Now, all too often, if... If we pour our life into something and teaching someone something, when they, when they mess up, we take it personal, right? Paul's affirming in the Galatians, he's saying, look, I'm not jumping on you because of my personal ambitions. He said, this is about the gospel. You did me no harm. This isn't about me personally. This is about the gospel. He says, you did me no harm. And here he's going to attest to them to the fact that, of why they did him no harm. Look with me, verse 13. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. Now, I can tell you one thing. If someone is sick, people don't want to be around you. You can clear an international terminal if you get sick. You can. When someone is sick, people don't want to be around them, right? And so Paul is saying, you guys know that the first time that I preached the gospel to you was because... Having some fuzz. Hello. He's saying, the first time I preached the gospel to you, I was sick. And yet you welcomed me in. Why did they welcome him in? It wasn't because of anything within himself that people would have received him. The same thing was said about Jesus, right? There was nothing in Jesus' body that would have made people want to follow him. It was the message he preached. And so Paul is saying, you guys welcomed me in, not just as a visitor, not just being hospitable. You welcomed me in as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. It wasn't about Paul. It was about the message he preached to them. And so Paul is testifying about these Galatians that they got the gospel, that they received it, and they understood it. And he's saying, 
you guys welcomed me in. And that was a testimony of the fact that the Spirit was at work in you, that you saw the gospel message as important. And so he continues, verse 15. He says, What then's happened to your blessedness? What then has happened to this testimony of the Spirit that was in you? It's like, what, what is going on? Why have they now rejected the man that they once welcomed as Jesus himself? To believe a gospel, do you all get, get the irony of this? They're now rejecting it? The guy that they welcomed as Jesus himself for a different gospel to be made right with God. He's like, this is perplexing to me. I don't get it. But this is his emotion coming out. And he's like, what then has happened to your blessedness? What happened? What happened? He says, for I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. He says, not only were you willing to welcome me in, but you were willing to sacrifice for me. You are willing to give a self-sacrifice. You are willing to gouge out your eyes. Now, there's, there's a ton of different speculations about what Paul's sickness was. Could it have been malaria? Could it have been ophthalmia? You know, a condition with the eyes? Could it have been all these different things? All sorts of speculation. With all sorts of speculation, we really don't know. So that means to tell us it's really not that big of a deal. The big deal here was that Paul's sickness was repulsive and people didn't want to be around it. Could be contagious. Yet these Galatians had welcomed him in. And he says, here with, with the issue with the eyes, it doesn't necessarily mean that it was his eyes, but, but here's the deal. In every culture, people use their eyes, right? Your eyes are pretty valuable to you. If you don't have your eyes, then you're dependent upon someone else to lead you. And so Paul is saying, you would have given me what was most valuable to you. If possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. You would have given me what was most valuable to you. And, and this was all testifying that the Spirit was at work in you. And so Paul is perplexed at what's going on. He's pouring out his heart. Verse 16, he says, Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? Here's the climax of his appeal. He's like, You guys once welcomed me as Christ himself, and have I now become your enemy? This truth that I once told you, it's the same truth that I'm telling you now. You once welcomed me in, and the irony is that now you're rejecting me because of it. Let's put it like this. We all, at one point or another in our life, go to the doctor. Do you want a doctor that's going to tell you the truth or tell you a lie? The virtue of a doctor is the the fact that they tell you the truth. Now, when that truth is that the scan's all clear and that there's no cancer or that the, the virus or the disease or the sickness is gone, then it's great. We love the doctor, right? But think of the irony that when the doctor tells you the truth that, that there's an illness, that there's a sickness, that there's cancer. Do we hate the doctor for telling us the truth? No, it's the truth. And so the virtue is in the truth, in the fact that the doctor has told us. It's not in the fact of what he's communicated. So the truth here has not changed. The gospel message has not changed that Paul is proclaiming to the Galatians. What has changed is the way that they've received it. You see, when there's division, then division is often a symptom of a fact that we've departed from the gospel. 
And so there's division here, and division is a symptom of a sin that lies deeper. So when you see these divisions, and Paul is seeing these divisions, he's, he's saying, what then has become of this? There's a greater issue that's hiding under the surface. The fact that you are no longer in community with me is a big deal. And the greater issue is that there's a sin at the surface, under the surface. Verse 17, he says, They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. When I read this passage, I couldn't help but think back to the, the purchased banquet that we went to. And, and a, a lady there, Annie Lobert, shared her testimony. And if you haven't gotten to know Purchased or know anything about Purchased, then Purchased is a ministry that works with women that are trapped in a sex trafficking industry. And so Purchase works with these women. And Annie shared this testimony. And I couldn't help but think about that when I read this passage, that they, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They make much of you in order that they might prosper. You see, many of the testimonies of these women that are trapped in this industry start like this. They meet a guy. He makes much of them. He woos them. He tells them they're beautiful. He makes much of them. And yet, then the hook is set that once he's made much of them and they believe it, the hook is set and they become trapped in this industry. Some of y'all like to fish. The same thing is true. Any good fishing lure is an imitation of something that's real. And so it, it fakes being real until the fish bites and then the hook is set. Right? Exactly what Paul is telling these Galatians. He says these these men who have come in who are telling you that you have to obey the law to be right with God, he said, they're wooing you. They're like, oh, y'all are doing well. But if you would just grow a little bit more and realize that, yeah, you're getting there. You're starting to understand this gospel. But really, you've got to keep this law. Then you'll be right with God. And they start to puff them up and build them up until the hook is set. And they've been deceived. You see, Paul is pouring out his heart and he's seen in these people. Don't miss his emotional appeal. He says, they make much of you, but they don't want you to prosper. The only reason that they make much of you is so that in turn they can say, well, but you'll never really be a Jew. And then you're stuck on the outside going, oh, I wish we could be like them and be right with God. How is that like us? How is that like us that we believe and we become puffed up or we start hearing that, oh, we're doing well and then works righteousness comes in. Ah, Really, you'll be, you'll be really good if you go on a mission trip. Right? Now, we all want you to go on a mission trip. You'll be really good if you share the gospel at least twice a, a week. Really, you'll be a real good Christian if you've led someone to Christ. In, in this works righteousness that we put on ourselves to where we, we make it look like there's more to being a Christian than resting in the fact that faith in Jesus Christ is what makes us right with God. It's not our works. 
It's faith in Jesus Christ alone that makes you right with God. And so, so they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They just want you to turn around and make much of them. And Paul is crying out here. He says, look, it's not bad to be made much of. It's really not. As long as it's for a good purpose. It's really not bad to be praised. As long as it's for a good purpose. He says these Judaizers, these people that have crept in that are telling you this false gospel, they're not doing it in order to make you better. They're doing it for their selfish gain. And so Paul pours out his heart and then he gets to this last section. Verse 19. He says, My little children, for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, I wish... I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Paul just pours out here his heart. And he's the, for the first time, he uses this language, my little children. And for the only time, he uses this language, my little children. This is the only time in all of Paul's writing where he takes on a motherly feeling where he's looking at these Galatians and he's like I see y'all as my little children and I'm longing for you to walk with the Lord are any of you there this morning where you have that feeling where maybe it's a son or a daughter that you see them and you long for them to walk with the Lord your heart aches for them to walk with the Lord maybe it's a mom or a dad, that your heart aches to see Christ formed in them, to see them walk with the Lord, to see them meet the expectations that you have for them walking with the Lord, to see them meet the hopes and desires that you have for them walking with the Lord. Maybe it's a brother or sister. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a co-worker. Is there anyone in your life that stirs your heart to see them walk with the Lord? If there's not, then I would encourage you to spend some time in prayer. That's God's heart. That we would walk with the Lord. That His children would walk with the Lord. That people would come to know Him and walk with the Lord. So if your heart's not stirred for that, then I would encourage you to spend some time in the Word and spend some time in prayer and ask God to give you a heart for the lost people. Give you a heart that people might see Christ in all of His glory and follow Him. Paul here, he says, I am again in anguish of childbirth. What? Until Paul is formed in him? No, he's not creating mini-me's. Until Christ is formed in them. He longs for them to become spiritually mature in Christ. And he says, I long for that. Verse 20, he, he kind of gives a, a caveat to them in a sense of saying, listen, I've been pretty brutal on you guys so far. I've called y'all foolish. I've questioned who has bewitched you. Um, I mean, he's basically just kind of poured out his heart. But if you've ever been there, when you get so fired up and so animated to just see people get it. And then we get this letdown and he's just like, guys, I, I got so fired up. Because I just want to see you guys walk with the Lord. I got so fired up. I called y'all foolish and dumb. And, and I got so fired up about this because, 
because I care so much for you. And he's so animated here and his emotions are just raw. He's left all the courtroom stuff. He's left all the arguments and he's just giving them his heart. And so as we close, I want to to compile all this and condense it down. As we've seen how Paul is loving these Galatians who who have not met the expectations he had for them walking with the Lord. Who have not met the hopes that he had for them walking with the Lord. And so I want to boil this down and give you three ways that we can love people in our life that don't meet the expectations we have for them in walking with the Lord. The first is, is we deal generously. Now, that could be funny if you look at some of the other parts of Galatians where Paul is, has been so honest with them. And some of us would say brutally honest. But Paul deals graciously with the Galatians. He continually talks about what the Lord has done in them, what he knows the Lord is doing in them. He continues to be gracious with them. And what does this mean? What does this look like for you? It looks like being the example. Now, how many of you would like to, like Paul, tell your coworker, your friend, your family, your son, your daughter, your mom, your dad, whoever it is in your life, I beg you to become like me. We kind of think that's funny. We smirk at that because we know our faults, right? But there's a truth to this that all of us should be able to say, become like me. You see, I'm a sinner just like you. But because I believe in Jesus Christ as my only means of righteousness to be right with God, you can do that too. And so you can become like me and be reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. See, all of us should be able to tell someone, become like me. So what does it look like to love these people? It means to deal graciously. And how does that look? It means being the example to them. It means living out your Christian life in a way that is an example and points them to the gospel. Second, it means dealing with sin. Being honest. Paul didn't overlook their sin. He, he lays out all of these arguments of them turning away from the gospel. And so he lays out all of these arguments and he says, you've got to deal with this sin. The fact that there's division is, is a reality that there's sin. And so he says, you've got to deal with this sin. And he's honest with them. Now, to get personal and step on some toes, how do you deal with people when they point out your blind spots? We've all got them. Whether you believe it or not, you've got them. How do you deal with people when they point out your blind spots? The reality is that we need people in our life like Paul that will point out the blind spots so that we can deal with them. And the reality is that we need to be honest with those that don't meet our hopes and dreams and expectations for them walking with the Lord. We need to be honest with them about that. We need to point out the gospel in their life and we need to point out the fact that there is sin and we need to be honest. Third, I want you to see that that Paul here has shown that doctrine and friendship go hand in hand. You see, Paul was able to to tell these Galatians this, and he was able to explain this to them because he had a friendship with them. They had received him in. He longed, his heart broke for them when they didn't follow Jesus. He has a relationship with them. 
In this relationship, when the doctrine is divided, this relationship is divided as well. What you believe about Jesus will affect your friendships. Your walk with the Lord will affect your friendships. Your walk with the Lord will affect the way that you interact with people in this body. Our doctrine and our friendships go hand in hand. But if we deal honestly with people and we deal graciously with people, there's incredible room for growth. And so Paul pours out his heart to these Galatians here. And so I want to encourage you this morning. How are you going to love people that don't meet your expectations? That you look at them and your heart breaks because you long for them to follow Jesus. And yet you look at them and you see the lies that they're believing. And you see the false gospel that they're believing. And you see that they've desired to become enslaved to the things of this world. To the materialism of this world. And to the things of works righteousness. And you see that in their life. How will you respond to them? Will you brush it under the rug? Will you pretend it's not there? Or will your heart actually break that they would walk with Jesus and that Christ would be formed in them? Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, and it's so hard to do this. Lord, as as we think about the the friendships and the families and the, the loved ones or the co-workers... Lord, that the division has come in or that, that we see their life and we see them not walking with you. Lord, and, and we desire them to follow you. God, I pray that we would be encouraged by the way that Paul has loved these, these Galatians, Lord, that he has been honest with them. Lord, that he has been gracious with them. God, and I pray that, that among us, Lord, that Norris Ferry would be known as a, as a church that longs to see people walk with Jesus, that longs to see Christ formed in every one of our believers. God, and so we do pray for our community groups as they continue to meet. Lord, I pray that the relationships would go deep. Lord, that we would be able to be honest and real with each other. Lord, and that you would give us a spirit to to receive correction. Lord, and that you would continue to give us wisdom as we live out the gospel in the places that we work, and in our homes. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.